I would ask you to bow with me in prayer. From the scriptures, Lord, you continue to speak to us. You remind us that there are people all around us who are needy, whose abundance isn't. And you continue to remind us as well that the abundance that we have however abundant that abundance may be, the abundance we have is to be used to share to those in need. And as you've said through your Apostle Paul, we're looking for a balance between what we have and what they do not have. So Lord, speak to us during these few moments, during this worship service. But we ask also that we may have courage enough to speak to you, to tell you what is on our heart to say we are ready and willing, Lord, here am I. For in the name of Christ we pray, amen. <clears throat> there are things an interim pastor can say that a full-time permanent pastor might be reluctant to say things like give oh that may be a little more emphatic than I intended <laughs> but the fact of the matter is giving is a part of our worship giving is a part of following Christ is it not here in the verses of scripture which we read, Paul is writing a fundraising letter. He is writing to the Corinthians, telling them, let me tell you what those churches in Macedonia are doing. They are giving beyond anyone's expectation. They are giving beyond their ability even. They ask us for the privilege of being involved in, in relieving the sufferings of the saints in Judea. And then Paul kind of twists it a little bit. He says, I'm writing to test your earnestness against theirs. <laughs> Are they more earnest than you are? We'll see in what you give. <clears throat> well, then he goes on to the crux of the matter. He says, those people in Macedonia, they've, they first gave themselves. 
I wonder if he thought of his own words to the Romans when he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The problem that I've discovered with giving a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. Paul is challenging the Corinthians in, referring, in referencing the Macedonians, and he's challenging the church in Waynesboro in the same way. We've been examining those passages in the scripture that either state explicitly, this is God's will, or are so clearly expressive of God's will that it leaves no doubt. And today we focus on 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, where Paul says, this is God's will, the sharing of yourselves, the giving of yourselves first to God and then to others. This is God's will. We hear the Apostle Paul saying that faithful stewardship is God's will for Christ's followers. Stewardship is a word that means we are entrusted with something of value and we are responsible for taking care of that thing of value. When God made Adam and Eve responsible for caring for the Garden of Eden, he made them, and by extension, us, stewards or caretakers of the environment. Stewardship covers all of what God has given us, but pertains particularly to the resources of time and finances. In the verses we've read, we have seen in that region of Judea that Acts talked about, experienced a devastating famine. And the churches in the other part of the Roman world responded as the churches in Macedonia and in Paul's writing to the church in Corinth did. He says that their generosity evened out things. It made a, a fair balance. Those who gave didn't give so much that they were without, and those who had nothing, or at least little, didn't have an abundance just because they gave. So Paul is challenging them and us to do the same, to take into account what we have and what others don't have, to take into account that serving God means that we give ourselves and our possessions to the Lord first, recognizing that all we have is because he has given it to us first. 
we are stewards. God's love is demonstrated in Christ's giving of himself. And Christ used that word give in describing God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And our giving follows God's own example and his will for us. We give as we have the ability to give. And Paul says that uh, he's not giving them a directive. He's giving them advice. (laughs) And his advice comes not as a commandment, but saying, they have little, you have more, let's even things out. We give of our time as we manage that limited resource to meet our own needs and the needs of those around us. And we give our financial resources according to the same standard. It is obvious that serving is good. Giving is good. It's good for those who receive, is it not? And yet Paul, saying that he's quoting Jesus, says it's better to give than to receive. Well, receiving is good. We all acknowledge that. But giving is even better. Preachers have been saying this for centuries. But now... Thanks to research supported by the Cleveland Clinic's Dr. Susan Albers Bowling, we know that there is bona fide research supporting this theory. There are health benefits to giving and serving, she says. Let me mention them. First, as you help someone or give a gift, of finances or an actual gift, your brain secretes secretes feel-good chemicals such as serotonin, which regulates our moods, dopamine, which gives us a sense of pleasure, and oxytocin, which secretes or which generates a sense of connection with others, according to what she says. When we do things for other people, she writes, it makes us feel much more engaged and joyful. Second benefit, according to Dr. Albert's bowling, lower blood pressure. Generosity, she says, is good for your heart. Research found that by giving to others, it can lower your blood pressure and protect your heart. In fact, she said the the positive results are similar to a healthy diet and exercise. 
I've been waiting for news like that. Lower blood pressure, a longer lifespan. The secret to longer living may be giving more of yourself, she says. Studies show that people who volunteer tend to live longer than those who don't. Four, less stress. Five, something called a helper's high. She says giving can stimulate your brain's mesolimbic pathway. I had no idea my brain had a mesolimbic pathway. She says it's also called by us lay people a reward center while releasing endorphins. That can lead to a helper's high that boosts self-esteem, elevates happiness, and combats feelings of depression. Well, as I said, preachers have been saying for centuries that giving is good for us, and research affirms it. I think this would be a great time to remind us that the deacons have seven teams and they are open to anyone who will join one. Those seven teams are connections with other people, calling people on the phone, church members, and, uh, or sending cards, uh, grief support, homebound, hospital care, meals, prayer team, and small jobs or rides. Think how much longer you will live and how much happier you will be if you volunteer for one of these. Right? Well, you can find these brochures in the track rack right out here. This is probably also a good time to tell you that um, the last Sunday of this month, Cindy Elmore, who represents what we used to call the Virginia Baptist Foundation, now called um, Everbless, she will be here in our worship service to speak very briefly but then we'll meet with anyone interested to talk about how to make a will free. This is all free, and um, they will help make a will for free. And um, also, <clears throat> they will talk with us about how we can leave a legacy for our church. Now, if it seems to you that I'm getting too far into your business, remember what Paul said. You know, he was doing the same thing, and I'm just following his example. But these are ways that we ourselves can help people, can serve God, can serve humanity, and even things out. But while we realize 
that in the way God has put human beings together, we benefit from serving others, let's not lose sight that it's really, uh, sight of the fact that it's really about loving others. A few weeks ago in his Wednesday morning class session, Dr. Lloyd Allen pointed out that in the early church, the attitudes were so revolutionary and so loving that unbelievers who observed this stood askance and suspicious. They not only loved themselves, but they loved other people who were not a part of the church. And unbelievers couldn't understand this. But this is our calling as Christ followers. Above all, let our service be rendered lovingly, not grudgingly, not keeping score, not caring too much if one individual seems to care more about getting than giving. That's a problem they have to take up with the Lord. It's not our problem to serve. It's our, I mean, to solve it's our calling simply to serve. Let Paul's words guide us in closing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends.